um, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with a precious minister, a missionary actually. And he was talking about a conversation that he had had years ago with a, a, a general in the body of Christ who was, his, his ministry was primarily on the mission field in foreign nations. And uh, he had not been around much of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit when it comes to gifts of healing. And he was in a service where he heard different conditions being called out, just like what we've done tonight. And he said later, he said, I don't, he said to this other missionary, he said, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't understand that. You mean there's only certain ones God wanted to heal that night? Um, gifts of healing are not to exclude anyone. There are different methods of healing. And God so longs to heal and so desires to heal that if somebody can't hook on, doesn't hook in on, on one method, there's another method available. Amen. So it's not God leaving people out. It's those for some reason uh, to hook on to that particular method. God would have someone to minister that way. But I say this in connection with that. When you see God heal through any method, let that stir your faith to say, if God will heal them, God will heal me. So that it's not, God, it's not a healing lottery. You know that if you've got a certain condition called out, well, good for you because you won the healing lottery. No, God heals to stimulate the faith too in someone that may need healing. And they say, wait a minute, if God will heal them, God will heal me. You remember in the incident with the pool of Bethesda? Under Jesus' earthly ministry, there were five porches full of sick folk waiting by this pool, the sheep pool. And uh, an angel would come down intermittently at a random time, no one knew when, and would stir the water. What was he doing? He was depositing a measure of healing power into that water, and it was a, a measure enough for one because the first one that got in, it didn't matter his condition. It didn't matter how far advanced the condition was. It didn't matter if they were on death's door. If they were the first one to get in, that power healed them. And people would say, and you would think, why did God just do that for one? Because he's trying to reveal himself as a healer. So that people that would see that would go, wait a minute. If he'll heal one, he'll heal me. So take that approach tonight. Amen. Amen. God's not leaving anybody out. But there are other methods that we can receive healing by. So we can just sit in this place tonight and we can receive healing. Amen. Amen. Whether your condition is called out or not. Praise the Lord. Thank God for the gifts of healing, but they're not to eliminate people. It's to, it, it, it's to reach the people who uh, God's... God's calling to in that particular in that particular way but anybody can receive
anybody can receive. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. One thing it does, it brings the healing anointing into manifestation. And when that healing anointing is present, anyone can reach up. See, the power of God's present everywhere, but it's not always in manifestation. So the gifts of the Spirit, when we call out these by gifts of healings, what happened, it brings that anointing into manifestation. When it's in manifestation, you can just reach out and receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise the Lord. It's okay if we take a little bit of time, right? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. We thank you, Father. Um, anybody in here? Well, aside from those I've already ministered to, and you say, Pastor Nancy, I came here specifically to have hands laid on me for healing. I need healing in my body. Raise your hand if that would be you tonight. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. Those that raise your hand, come on up. Come on up. Let me, let me minister to you again. Let me minister to you. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Hey, love, how are you? <laughs> how are you doing? Good. What is it that you need? My eyes. For eyes. Is it just like a vision? It's what like is it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Father, we thank you for that. Uh, we thank you for that healing anointing. We speak for those cataracts you dry up in Jesus' name. And for that vision to be clear. Be whole in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, love. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. If somebody would go ahead and bring that back and we'll thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But before we go any further, let's just tell him thank you again. Jesus, we give you glory and honor and thanks and praise. We glorify you. We glorify you. You're such a wonderful healer. And we thank you. We thank you for that healing power, that healing anointing. That it's working in us now. It's working in us now. It's working in us now. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Turn with me if you would. Let's go to 3 John. 3 John, and we're going to see verse 2. 3 John, in verse 2, you're probably acquainted with this verse. And it reads, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospereth, or to the measure your soul prospers, that's going to show up in your body and in your finances. Did you get that? Yes. To the measure that your soul prospers. What, what do I mean when I say soul prospering? The renewing of the mind. Um, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, 
be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of the mind. David called it when he said in Psalm chapter 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. What's that? Renewing of the mind. Same thing. Same thing. Um, And here, John calls it the prospering of the soul. Same thing. They're all meaning the same thing, just using a little bit different words. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Aren't you glad that he's interested in everything connected with you? So much of the time, people get this idea that he's only interested in that which is spiritual. But anything pertaining to your life, he's interested in. Don't withhold any of it from him. Involve him in every arena. We know this, that the word tells us that men of old, they wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. So these weren't, these weren't just John's words. These were words that John wrote as the Spirit said them. Right? He was God's secretary that day, writing down the dictation of the Holy Spirit. So when it says, beloved, I wish, or other translations say, I pray. Uh, what we see is we see a desire. Mm -hmm. I wish above all things thou mayest prosper. Uh, This is what the Spirit longs for. That thou mayest prosper and be in health. Uh, Notice this. Your desire for prosperity did not begin with you. It came from Him. He He desires our prosperity. That's why Jesus took lack. The same place he took sin. Same place sickness was laid on him. At Calvary, he took lack because he didn't want you doing without. And the the worst thing we can do for ourselves is get used to it. And manage it. We're not called to cope with not enough. Um, because really people have coped so long with it, managed for so long that that becomes what they, they don't expect more than what they're managing. I think it's such a sad thing with the Hebrews. You remember God delivered them out of Egypt. Miracles were worked. They crossed the Red Sea. God led them to that place of obstacle. Why? Because he had a miracle for them. He had a supply for them. What was the supply? He had dry ground under the sea. (laughs) And they crossed on dry ground. And he led them. He led them into a wilderness to get them through the wilderness to arrive at the promised land. But they lingered where they should have only passed through. Any obstacle, any difficulty that you have faced in life, God never intended for you to live in it. He doesn't send difficulties. He doesn't send the hardships. But he will certainly show us how to pass through them 
and not linger in them and live in them. We have to not be okay with living in less than enough. So they lingered in a place they were only supposed to pass through. And the sad thing is that they were in proximity of abundance. The promised land was a land of abundance. They're in proximity, close by, and never enjoying it. I don't want that I'm in proximity of all the blessings of God, but not being a partaker. Not being a partaker. Because it's all in us. The inher- He's already made the inheritance ours. The greater one is in us. I mean... And... Uh, so many Christians just live in proximity. They see it. They see other people enjoy it. They see in the word what God has for them. But they're living on daily, just daily sufficiency. Instead of abundance that's more than enough for every day. God told them that promised land, it's flowing with milk and honey. They brought evidence of it back, didn't they? Remember the, the spies came back, brought evidence of, my goodness, we haven't seen anything that looked like this in its, in its abundance. They bring it back, and they still just decide to stay in the wilderness. And God took, listen, God is so good that in their disobedience, he took care of them. As, as, as much as he could, as much as they allowed him to. And so they had, uh, they had manna every day, but they only had enough for one day. If they gathered more than enough for one day, it spoiled. Why? They had to go back out the next day and gather it. God took care of them, but it was only enough for the day. God didn't intend for them to live mm-hmm. under manna that long. Right. He intended for them to go into abundance to where they didn't just have enough for the day. Yeah. And too many times as believers, we're living enough. We're, we just have yeah. enough yeah. just right. for till the next paycheck. Uh-huh. It's enough for a day. Right. Right. That's good. But we'll have everything we're okay with. Yeah. But if we ever decide, you know something, I'm tired of just living on what, what I'm managing enough for today. I'm just, I'm not going to just live in proximity of the abundance. I'm going to lay hold of it. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Um, I love something in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9. It reads, I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. And verse 8 says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Then Then the book of Psalm chapter 50, verse 10 through verse 12, the Amplified. It says, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills are upon the mountains where thousands are. I know and am acquainted with all the birds of the mountains, and the wild animals of the field are mine and are with me in my mind. And I love this, what God says. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. (laughs) 
For the world and its fullness are mine. Cattle on a thousand hills, he knows when to take them to market. He knows. He knows how to bring things into the hands of those who believe him. Amen. It doesn't sound like God needs a donation, does it? It just doesn't sound like he needs a donation. Donations are given to the poor. Right? God's not poor and we not poor. Amen. Hallelujah. God involves us financially in giving just so we can get in what he's doing on in what he's doing in the earth and bless us. Yeah. Um, he could use birds if he wanted to, but he's not looking to bless the birds. He's looking to bless us and he allows us to get involved in his system. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 28. We know this. God's, God will bless us through the hands of men. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Word tells us he'll bless us through the hands of men. But even coming through their hands, he's our provider. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that provided it so that they could bless us. Yeah. And many are disappointed financially. Many Christians, I'm not, I'm not talking about the world, just many Christians disappointed financially because they give and seemingly it doesn't seem to be coming back the way it should be. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. He, God starts this with a, the biggest word of, one of the biggest words of the verse, if. <laughs> if you meaning we're the variable he's not the variable we are if you will listen diligently to the voice of the lord your god being watchful to do wouldn't we say obey yeah being watchful to do or obey all his commandments, which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above. Not barely above. But high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed or listen to the voice of the Lord your God. If God will do this, because he was speaking to his people as a nation, if God will do this for a nation, right. he'll do it for an individual. Right. If, he, if he's capable of, a high, of, an, of an entire nation yeah. living at this level that he offers them. It's a small thing to bring an individual into it. We have to see something here. So much of the time, people... When they need money, they just pray and pray and pray and pray. But he's talking to them about covenant things here. He's saying, if you'll obey me, he says, the blessings of God will come on you and overtake you. So that means this. If if you're a runner and you're in the lead and another runner comes up 
And it's uh, here it says that will come on you. Yeah. The blessings come on you. Right. If a runner comes on you, he's here. Yeah. If he overtakes you, what happens? Right. He gets out in front. He passes you, gets out in front. Right. God said his blessing won't be behind That's you. Good. It'll yeah. keep pace with you. It'll yeah. keep pace with you. And oh, then God. in the pace you yeah. set... Yeah. It will get out and go in front of you so that every step forward is the already prepared and supplied. Now, if you're going to move slowly, that blessing will move at your pace. It'll come out and it'll get in front of you, your slow pace. But if you set the pace of the blessing with your own faith, Amen. Amen. If you think God can only fund one thing at a time. (laughs) You say, why do you say that? Because he funds three houses for me and I live in one. I'm not trying to say that to say, look what I have. I'm trying to show you what the blessing will do. Now. I almost missed out on some of it because of my thinking. Um, In 2011, my husband and I uh, bought a home. On move-in day, God spoke to me and said, you'll only be in this home four years. I go, ah, shoot. (laughs) It's a lovely home. I could stay in there. My joy be full. I like the home a lot. But you don't say that to your husband on move-in day when they're hauling furniture. And you say, by the way. So I never said, I never said it to him. I never told him what God said to me. And at the two-and-a-half-year mark, he went home to be with the Lord, so it wasn't applicable, so I didn't have to take on that fight. You know, wisdom is knowing when. When to bring it up. And so um, he went home to be with the Lord two two and a half years later in 2013. And about two weeks after that, I was walking down the hallway in that house. And God said to me, he said, you remember I told you you'd only be in this home for uh, four years. I said, yeah, I was trying to forget that. (laughs) Why? Because I had so much on my plate at that time. Three well, six and a half million dollars I was responsible for now. Three million of it due immediately, like yesterday. And you say, well, you must have got a lot when Ed died. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you think $37,000 yeah. is as much in the face of three and a half million, you're... Yeah. Because other things got it. Other things got it. Uh, So when God started talking to me about a house, it was like, are we really going to bring that up this at this time? You know, it's like I'm just got a nostril out. Don't flood anything on top of that nostril. You ever been that feeling like? Really? Is this the time? Haven't you ever noticed when it's not possible for you is when God starts a working. When it's just not possible for you. 
He doesn't wait till it's opportune time for you because he doesn't intend for you to do it. Now, that should help somebody right there. He waits until it's not an opportune time because every time is his opportunity. Amen. So I remember that day. And I said, I was trying to forget about that, God. And uh, it was probably, um, it was about five months later. I, and I said, God, I said, I'm not going house hunting. I'm not. I'm not going house hunting. You're going to have to just show it. Because I'm not interested enough in it to go house hunting. I'm fine where I'm at. And if you're going to do it, I'm going to let you do it. I wasn't being rebellious. I was just letting him know, if you, you started it, we'll let you finish it. And so five months later, I got the Bible school students called me, the, one, of, one of the students called me, and they said, uh, we're going to go tour Sister Amy Smith McPherson's castle up here. Uh, it's open for tours. I said, oh, is it really? She goes, yeah. She said, did you want to go? I said, I'll go. I, that I had been offered before, and I didn't go, you know, when they were renovating and stuff, and I'd seen it at a distance, and I thought, well, I'll go ahead and go. So I went, and I got on the property, and all of a sudden, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but my spirit started doing somersaults. It's like your spirit gets thrilled. Why? Because when something of God's plan starts coming into time, you're, and you get near what is part of that plan. Ah, your spirit knows things your mind hasn't caught up with yet. My spirit knew things my mind did not know. I had no idea what was connected to that day. So we're walking and I thought, oh, this is, you know, I like unique stuff. I love history. I like historical things. My mother just put that appreciation into us. She just drug us from place to place <laughs> like that. And so um, I was thrilled to see it. I appreciated the history of it. I loved the uniqueness of it. Yeah. And I said to, we, we were in one part of the house, and I said to Morgan, there was probably about 50 of us or so going through it. And I said to Morgan, my daughter-in-law, I said, It'd be, it'd be great to have this house, maybe for ministers or something, you know, just a place to bless them. Then we went to one part of it that, that uh, had not been renovated yet, and I walked in and go, oh, no, I don't want this place. No, I don't want this place. That, this place, no, it's, it, it calls for too much work. No, I'm not. I don't want this place. And then we walked on a little further, and I saw the, 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 the great room, and I go, Oh, yeah, I want that. Yeah, that'd be great to have this place. But I'm just slobbering out loud. You know what I'm talking about? You know how you froth over something? You don't really mean it. You just think, oh, that'd be great. You know, I mean, I do that over Lamborghini that drives by. That'd be great. You know, you just you do that all the time. So you know what I'm talking about when I talk about slobbering out loud, right? <laughs> you don't really, I, I didn't really notice or recognize that my heart was my spirit was laying hold of something here and so I went from went home and didn't think anything about it didn't think anything about it 
And, you know, I owe, three, I owe six and a half million dollars. You know, it's like I, I'm just talking into the air. <laughs> so I go back home, and about two weeks later, on a Friday night, the power of God comes in my back room, in my bedroom. It has a seating area. And I'm sitting back there, and the power of God comes in the room, and God speaks to me, and he says, I'm going to describe your next house to you. And I go, all right, because I'm not looking. And he told me four qualities or four descriptions pertaining to the house. And I, and I argued with every one of them. I argued with every one of them. He said, uh, it's secluded. I said, mm-mm, mm-mm. I just came from a house that was alf- by, way back up by itself. It took 25 minutes to get to, you know, and I... I, I got tired of not seeing live life. I saw critters, but I didn't see human life. And I, it's not, and like, I like space. I want space. I like space, but I want to see that someone else is alive. And to reassure myself that, the, 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 you know, the rapture hasn't happened. And I just, I just missed seeing living going on. So when he said it's secluded, I go, no, 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 that's, are you sure? <laughs> and then he said, uh, the house is white. And I go, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, that's not going to work. I grew up hearing my mother say white from fright. People are afraid of color or afraid to do it wrong. Fried, they won't like it, so they just leave it white. You know, some people may like it white, but I just grew up hearing white from fright. And I liked color. So when he said it's white, I go, mm, no. I'm. And then he said it, it, it's close to the water. I go, oh, no, no, I'm a mountain person. I, I don't want to live at the beach. I don't even go to the beach. We would go to Maui. I would never go down to the water. I don't want the, I don't want the sand. I don't like it. <laughs> we, we would. I'd just stay up at the resort. I wouldn't even go down to the water. We, yeah, two trips in a row. Just never went down to the water. It, I know that that's like a sin, but I did it. Twice. Twice. Didn't even repent either time. So I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded at these descriptions. God, my house is three minutes from the church. You're going to move me all the way down to the beach. At a, I don't want to be at the beach. Because, you know, when he says water, what do you think of? Yeah. So uh, then he said the main room is open to the outdoors. I go, no, I like that. I like that. And those are the four things he told me. So the next night, I'm sitting in the same place, back in that room, and I'm studying, and the, the power of God comes in the room. He said, I'm going to describe your next house to you. And I go, all right. He's told me the same four things. But this night, he added a fifth thing. He said, it's Amy Silver McPherson's castle. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. I only said that, like, mindlessly, you know, because... When, if you buy that house, you don't buy a house, you buy a renovation. That's right. That's right. I owe six and a half million. You know, I'm telling God all this. Yeah, he, he, he slipped on that. He, he forgot about that. 
So anyway, so I settled it. It took me a couple days. It took me a couple days. And there's one person that's on staff that's been a dear friend of mine for years. And he, he's the only person I went to and told. And he, he said, oh, Pastor Nancy, that's God. And I, he had to talk me off the edge, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so um, anyway, so I settled it. And uh, that was in about February of 2015 when God, excuse me, 2014 when God said that to me. And I knew, uh, wait till the first of the year to take any kind of action toward it. So I, I uh, contact, I talked to somebody who was, who had given us the tours. And I said, if they, I don't, because it's not for sale, you understand, yeah. it's not for sale. And I said, so... Um, I'm interested in buying it. I know it's not for sale. I know they have plans for it. I know they 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 put two and a half million dollars into the house. They're they're because they're in, they're interested in their plan. And I said, but uh, if they're interested in selling it, would you ask the pastor if if he would consider it? So uh, about three day three months later. Uh, a phone number comes up on my phone. And if, I, if, you're, if it's not a name I know, I don't pick it up. But when it rang, God said, that's the pastor. Because his name didn't come up, so I picked it up. And he told me, he said, I'll sell it to you. And we, we had a conversation around that. But so when he said he'd sell it to me, is March or so. And uh, here I am in June. And I said, God... You know, because when it's time for something, it's like, let's get on it. And I had a a measure of money. I had a measure of money. And um, it wasn't wasn't near what they had put into the house. And um, my, my plan was this, finance the purchase of the home take the amount of money I have and renovate with that cash, mm-hmm. then I can move into a renovated home. Mm-hmm. I'm not living in yep. an unrenovated right. home. Mm-hmm. So I thought, too, then what I'll do is, uh, well, then God said to me, it wasn't, the, it, the, the, the sale wasn't progressing. He had agreed to it, but things weren't progressing. And uh, I went out on a walk one day and I said, God, it's not moving along. It's hindered somewhere. I'm, just because something isn't happening doesn't mean there's a hindrance. But this time I knew there was a hindrance. The hindrance was me. The hindrance was my thinking. And when I went out on that walk, he said, you have been planning to finance the house. I don't want you to finance it. I want you to pay cash for it. I said, okay. You realize. <laughs> That I was six and a half million dollars. You owe the amount. You you realize the amount of money I have is not anything what they have put into it. And he said, I, I'm going to do a miracle for you. And he did. And the price they ended up asking me was 10000 under the amount I had. And it was a fraction of what they had put into it. A fraction. That's was the hindrance is he was waiting for my thinking to get out of finance mentality into paid for mentality first time in my life i've ever we've ever paid cash for a home Mm -hmm. but now i've got a renovation and it's gonna cost way more than the house (laughs) way more (laughs) and so 
I, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had another plan. <laughs> I'm going to take the house I'm in, I'm going to sell it, <laughs> and then I'm going to pay to renovate, mm-hmm. add to, right. I'm going to renovate it. And uh, that house wouldn't sell. And that house is one of the finest in that addition. It's a negated community. I've been through all the houses in that one. We were looking, I've been through all, I crawled in windows when the doors weren't open, you know, and there's no right agent there. We crawled into windows, we jimmied doors, we got into houses. Just interested, not hurting anything. So I saw them, and our house is one of the better ones in there. And I did get some offers, but I go, I wouldn't even, I w- if, if I wanted to give it away, I'd give so- someone I like. I don't even know you. I'm not going to give you my house, you know. That's how bad the offers were. It didn't make sense. And that real estate agent says, my gosh, I'm considering buying it. It's such a great house. Because she lived in there. She said, this is one of the best houses. I go, I know, sister. <laughs> At the end of this, God spoke to me. I, I was talking to Brother Richard Roberts. We had picked him up and had gone to see him and uh, have lunch with him. And <laughs> he said, Nancy, he says, I'm trying to sell a house in Tulsa. You believe God with me? I said, Brother Richard, I'm trying to sell a house in Bear <laughs> Creek. You, you believe God with me? He said, you move to Tulsa and buy mine, I'll move here and buy yours. <laughs> I said, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to show you mine because you need to be out here in California. I was just trying to help him out. And when we were having that conversation, I got in the car to drive off, and God said, I'm going to bless you for being patient in the sale of this house. I thought that means he's going to sell it. Doesn't that, wouldn't you think that that's what he means? He said, I'm going to, be, I'm going to bless you. For being patient. Well, and you say, well, you had it on the market. What is being patient? Because I had offers. Yeah. And if I was just trying to get out from under pressure, yeah. I'd have taken offers. Right. But I didn't. Because I'm not going to operate under pressure. I don't do it. So, uh, God started dealing with me about, you've got to get rid of the thinking to think you've got to sell something to buy something. Yeah. Who told you you have to sell that home to have that home? And I said, well, I just kind of been trained that way my whole life, like most other people. And he said, you've got to lose the mentality, get rid of the mentality that you've got to get rid of something so you can have something more. He said, you can have it all. So now I got him. Now, I'm starting the renovation. We're right in the midst of that. We're in the beginning stages of that. Praise the Lord. Yeah, pray the Lord. I said, I got to say to Brother Jesse, Brother Jesse uh, DePlanis preached for us. When was it? Camp meeting? January? Is it January or June? June? January? Okay. So, we were having lunch with him in the back room afterwards and Stephen, my son over here. In fact, look, there's my son Stephen. Stand up, son Stephen. 
And this is Nanny Cake. Nanny Cake, stand up. Stand up on the chair. They can't see you down there. Stand up on the chair. They can't see you down there. Do that. And so, um, so Stephen said to Brother Jesse, I don't know if you've ever heard Brother Jesse's testimony. He built his house. It cost $50 million. It's 40,000 square feet. Biggest home in Louisiana. Richest man in Louisiana. <laughs> And Stephen said, Brother Jesse said, when you started that house, did you have all the money? He said, Stephen, I had one and a half million dollars on a $50 million build. What's that mean? What's that mean? That the blessing will come on you and overtake you. If you're running fast, the blessing moves fast. If you're going slow, the blessing moves slow. You set the pace of the blessing. You set the pace of the blessing. If you want to drag your feet, the blessing will stay right with you in that drug down pace. But if you want, if you say, wait a minute, I'm feeding my faith and I'm fueling my faith and I'm following the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not a hindrance. He'll take you as fast as your faith will let him. Amen. So when Stephen asked him, uh, did you have 50 million? He said, I had a one and a half million dollars. I go, I am sitting here with a man yeah. Yeah. that's showing us how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to wait till you have everything, uh-huh. you'll never move off where that's you're right. at. Right. All you have to do is hear what God says is yours. Yes. Add your faith to what God says because he doesn't intend for you to pay for it anyway. And you say, Pastor Nancy, why are you preaching on this? Because I'm living at this point right now. Amen. Now, as we were saying, let's look again. Do you still have your Bibles open there to uh, Deuteronomy 28? Let's read it again. Chapter chapter 28, verse 1. If you will, look at this, listen diligently. You don't know how to move forward accurately until you first listened. It's not you deciding something and then jumping full force into it. Listen, he has things for your life you never thought of for your life, that you never planned for your life, but he has it. So listen to him. If you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do or obey all his commandments, which I command you this day. The Lord your God will set you high above. Set you high, set you high above. Set you high above. Not barely above. Not in the same place you've been for 30 years. He wants us to come up. How does he get us up higher? In our thinking first. That's what 3 John verse 2 is. Yeah. I, I desire, I pray, I wish above all things thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as, your soul, even as your soul prospers. Even as you come up in your thinking. Your health will come up. Your finances will come up. Your life will come up. And too many times when people want something, they go to financial planning when they should have gone to renewing their minds. What did God say? So he said, I will, I, God will set you high. Look, God will set you high above, not your job, not your business savvy, 
God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And as I said, he's speaking to a nation. If he'll set them above in a nation, he'll set you on high personally and individually. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. This is not something to be prayed about. This is something to be obeyed. When we're done obeying, we're done being lifted to higher places. But our obedience sets us up into places we couldn't have gotten, gotten there any other way. A covenant is not activated by fasting, by praying. It's, it's activated by obedience. Obedience. That's why you have some people that can pray heaven and earth together, but they still have financial problems. Because these things, of, of, these things of covenant, when he says the blessings will come on you, it's not because you prayed. It's not because you fasted. It's because you obeyed. You obeyed when you didn't understand. You obeyed when it's, it looked like you didn't have enough to obey with. <laughs> when God would say, give that certain amount of money. You do it. You don't know what, what, what's connected to it immediately, but you know this. It's for your lifting. He'll set you on high. He'll set you on high. Amen. Um, how long have I been going? Oh, yeah, right. And everybody behind you is going to say, no, no. Um, obedience to the word makes the quality of your soil produce. The soil of your heart. My husband, my husband um, was in construction before he got born again. He got born again when he was about 25, but he was always a, he was a, a construction man. He loved building. But at heart, he wanted to be John Wayne. <laughs> he wanted to be a rancher, a farmer. He wanted to be John Wayne. And so he loved going down and being with my dad. My dad was a farmer. My dad was, he was one of the best farmers in the county. And uh, my dad loved farming. And so when Ed would go home with me, he loved to get in daddy's pickup. I mean, that was a real pickup. It wasn't a city pickup. It was a real pickup. I mean, there was wheat growing in the floorboard of his pickup. Yeah. Mother got in there one time to clean it out. And she said there was wheat growing. You get enough dirt, you know, get some little seed, there you go. Mother would just turn the water hose on in the, inside and just clean, clean it out. I mean, it was a real pickup. It was a work truck. And Ed would get in the pickup with him. And I remember Ed telling me when he got back, because uh, Daddy was loaded with common sense, loaded with it. And... Uh, we got in the, he got in the car, and they drove out. And Daddy's farms were spread throughout the county. They weren't all in one location. It's hard to come by farmland. So you buy it wherever it's available, when it comes available. And so they were driving to the different farms, and 
they drove up to one of daddy's farms and Ed said to him, he said, isn't that something, Kenneth? You plant a seed and you get a harvest. Daddy said, that's not true. (laughs) It's not true. He said, it's not true. He said, look at the the guy next door. He said, he planted a seed. He has a sorry harvest. He won't take care of his seed. He doesn't take care of his ground. He doesn't take care of anything. He planted good seed and got bad harvest. He said, I plant good seed and I get good harvest. He said, because I take care of my ground. He said, I do a soil test before I ever plant that seed. Before you come to church and sow, do a soil test. What's a soil test? The soil of your heart. Any bitterness in there? Any unforgiveness? Any offense? Do a soil test. He said, because before I put seed in it, I want to know if that land is deficient in something. Or if there's got too much of something else in it. And he said, I'll mix minerals in with the soil. I'll, 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 I'll poison if there's certain weeds in there before I even plant. He says, I tend to the soil before I ever plant a seed. I pay attention to the soil first. That's where, that's where a lot of people miss it. Now, see, they can get a measure of blessing. Don't misunderstand me. You can put some good seed in bad ground and you'll get a little bit. But you didn't get what that seed could have produced. So before you plant a seed, don't just do it mindlessly thinking now God owes you something. You've got to do a soil inspection. Make sure that you're not harboring something, that you're not disobeying God in some area. Because see, God will set you on high when you obey. Not when you just give, when you obey. Obey it all. You can't just pick the parts of obedience you like. We got, to, we got to do it all. Yes. Yes. He said, obey all the commands. All right. Yeah. So daddy said, he said, uh, this guy, he said he planted good seed, but he won't keep the weeds out. Mm-hmm. He said he's lazy. He said, everybody can drive by this man's farm and know him. Wow. Oh, they, right. they look at his field. Yeah. They know he's lazy. They know he doesn't pay attention. They know he doesn't value what he has. Yeah. Everybody needs to sit in a pickup with a man like that. Teach you something. And so uh, my daddy didn't know anything about Bible. He's not trying to discuss scripture. He's talking about how, how farm grows, how crop grows. He knows. So what we have to do once we plant the seed... It's not just about, oh, God owes me a harvest now. I've got to keep things off. I've got to keep weeds out. I've got to keep wrong thinking out. I've got to keep offense out. I, I can't, before I start fussing with my spouse, I have to think, can I afford this? Because this is going to cost me something in the soil of my heart. It's going, let, me tell you, let me tell you what, my dad, I did not like farming. I didn't like anything to do with it. It was, I, I because growing up, I, I, I saw my, my, my dad struggle with the farms. I saw it. You know, of course, by the time he was 45, he had all of his farms paid off. And for the rest of his life, he paid everything for cash. He had some of the finest, biggest equipment. He had road graders. He had everything because he was, he was uh, faithful. He was diligent. He was smart. 
But the early years when I was young, I remember hearing all the struggling, the conversations of struggling. I thought, I don't ever want to marry a farmer. I, 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 now, my sister, she loved the land. She loved the farms. And so she'd go plow for daddy. My, I had two brothers. They'd go plow. He thought everybody would go plow, <laughs> you know. I was about 12, and daddy thought, you're about plowing age, sister. <laughs> you're about plowing age. And I remember he took me, he said, you can go plow today. I go, oh, shoot, man. <laughs> I didn't like that heat. I didn't like it. <laughs> My mother loved being out in the heat. I did not like being out in the heat. And I mean, it's hot and it's dirty. This is the girl who doesn't walk down to the sand. Yeah. You remember? <laughs> so, so he takes me down to a farm. He puts me on a tractor. He shows me how to work it. <laughs> he said, see those front tires? I said, yep. He said, you keep them in between the rows. Right? The co you can see the cotton keeping right in between there. I go, got it. <laughs> he drove off. <laughs> and I thought, I'm fixing to cure this. <laughs> and, I thought, and I thought, I'm just going to move over. <laughs> and I and I did. I moved over about six inches and just plowed up. Daddy came back a little bit later, saw the field, and he said, "Get off the tractor." I said, "You got a deal." And he never put me back on it. Why? The way I was treating the soil. When you get into strife, you just stepped over about six inches and you started plowing up your harvest. When you, got, when you got your mind said, God said to me when I started, I'd been pastoring for several years and I took time to um, start teaching on prosperity in our church. And I'd taught on it about three or four weeks in a row. And I was intending, I was going to start that, next, that, the, that Sunday, going to go at it again. And on that Sunday morning, God said, you need to back up. And I said, back up, what do you mean? He said, back up on teaching on prosperity. And I said, no, 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 prosperity belongs to us. I'm going to try this spirit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep. And he said, no, you need to teach up, te you need to back up on teaching prosperity because until you teach these people right. how to walk oh. in love in their home, yeah. they don't qualify for Bible oh, prosperity. Look, what, hear what he said, Bible prosperity. Not prosperity you own by the sweat of your brow. Bible prosperity that came by the blessing of the Lord. And that is how you're going to treat the soil of your ground. When people will say, I always get a hundredfold harvest if you have hundredfold ground. Not everybody has hundredfold ground. Depends on what they've been letting grow. Um, I don't know, I, I, I remember in school, I don't know if this is still true because I, I, all the technology they do with farming, but um, in the South, where they used to grow, I don't know, maybe they still do, where they grow lots of tobacco, they used to. Tobacco is such a destructive plant that it destroys the soil. You grow one crop of, of, of tobacco 
and it just it it draws everything out and destroys it draws all the minerals it draws everything out to where it i'm talking about if you go by the law of the land that you take care of the land i forgot how many years you couldn't grow anything else on that land with one crop of tobacco it was a destructive plant now today they may just throw stuff in it and just force it i don't know but if you're going to just let nature handle the productivity of that soil and you know you would with my my dad he grew cotton and wheat and so they would lay out that land every seven years you 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 grow you you uh you farm it for seven years and then it lays out for a year giving it a chance to for the minerals and the nutrients to come back into the soil so you can keep going but if you don't you just strip it and that there's no nutrients that's where that's where we're running into with foods and stuff because they say there's no nutrients why because they they don't treat the land right they're forcing something well that's what happens if we're not going to do it god's way we're going to have to force something and it's going to rob something from us obedience to god is key to prosperity obedience to god when he tells you to sow you sow when he tells you to give you give when he tells you to and it's not just obedience with money it's obedience with your life if god can't trust us with the everyday duties of life how can he trust us with big money your obedience every day will determine the soil and the kind of harvest your life can produce Amen. When we delay obedience, it affects the soil of our heart. When we say, say, have conversations we ought not have, it affects the soil of our heart. When we give our opinion and run somebody down because we got an opinion about it, it's going to cost you something. Words don't die without producing something. Amen. Good or bad. And we, every, every bit of it's going to affect the soil of our heart. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? People want finances. Watch your mouth. Watch your obedience to God. Deal with what he's dealing with you about. Because he's always dealing with you about something. He's always dealing with you about something. When people think they've won their way, they don't realize. I'm talking about in a home, in a marriage. They got into an argument, they got into a combative thing, and they won their way, but what did it cost the soil of their heart to get there? And you have to learn this. Everything that comes to you is not for you. And I'm speaking financially now. Everything that comes to you is not for you. Because I found this out. When I really need more money than I've ever needed personally, financially, for the renovation of this, and God keeps saying, give this, give that, give that. And I've given some of the biggest seeds of my life. Why? Because it's my, the lifting that God says when he'll set us on high doesn't come by me holding on to everything I've got. It comes by obeying yes. everything he says. Yes. So I, I put my obedience into the soil of my heart, yes. and that soil will that produce. So 
Amen. Are you helped tonight? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I kept you kind of long tonight, but anyway, tomorrow's Saturday. Sleep in. I authorize you. (laughs) Be sure and tell your boss that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you. (laughs) We're so, so grateful. So, so grateful that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. And we will not add the sorrow to it. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word. It is our joy. It is our delight to obey it. We're so, so grateful. So grateful. We're doers of your word. We're doers of your word. We again consecrate ourselves to the obedience to your word. That in the obeying, in the obeying, we receive harvest in our lives that we never could have gotten on our own. But it's all that your blessing has done and worked in our lives, and we thank you for it. And Father, I believe for these pastors, everything they need to fulfill everything in their heart, the buildings, the equipment, the staffing, everything, the supply, everything that's needed. I say that it all comes in Jesus' name. And we thank you. We thank you for your divine provision to bring to pass your divine plan for our lives. And we give you thanks. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Pastor, thank you.